Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. Welcome back. Today, we have somebody on that has a job that I think, I mean, at least I have thought about from time to time and thought, man, that just sounds like a fun-ass job. It sounds like you're getting to drink wine all day and hang out with cool people in bars. So I'm excited to have Erin Williams on. She's a Grand Vin sales representative, and I'll let her tell you all about what that actually means, but that is not what she started out her career doing. So we're going to get to hear a little bit about the windy path that she took to get to what I think sounds like a really cool job. We'll find out if I'm right in that, um, and we'll get to hear all about her story. So Erin, welcome to the party. Hey, how's it going? Good. So tell us, I always like to start out by asking, what did little Erin want to be when she grew up? <laughs> Actually, that's funny because my mother repeatedly likes to quote this to me. Uh, when I was about four or five, I was mildly overdramatic child. And I used to say, mom, I want to be a dancer and a singer and a mom, but I don't know if I have time to be a wife. <laughs> So, yeah. so who has time for that nonsense? <laughs> yeah, so I distinctly have it quoted back to me uh, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, so I, I have the opportunity to know that one. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, so let's see, of those, of those, what, four things, you're the one that you didn't think you were going to be? <laughs> oh, God, I know, right? <laughs> we haven't gotten yeah. to the thing yet you know mom maybe one day but yeah you're, you're the wife part so that's good yeah I definitely got to the thing that I was like I don't know if I have time for that I'm sorry, <laughs> future me is so busy dancing and singing I don't think I have time for this marriage thing <laughs> I love it that's adorable so what I mean it's funny because we talk about this all the time like I feel like little kids know about five jobs when they're growing yeah. up, like that you can be and usually yeah. actor singer that's at least one of them right so did you kind of grow up assuming you would pursue that path or did you outgrow it at some point um well i really got into artsy stuff uh early on uh i did all of the theater geek things i was on speech team i was on show choir throughout high school um oddly enough i was also on the math league um i also really loved math uh, and I remember, um, so I went to college uh, at Drake University and I was an acting major. And I'll never forget on my last day of high school, my math teacher uh, said to me, he's like, yeah, that'll be nice. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna go and be an actor for like a year, but then you'll give it up and go be an engineer. <laughs> I used to joke when I was a cocktail waitress in LA. Uh, you know, it was one of those crappy nights where you made like no money at all. I was like, well, sure showed him. <laughs> Because uh, I definitely went all the way through with my uh, bachelor's in acting. So, yeah. You stuck with it. You went all the way. I did. I did. And I was really, really, I mean, I don't regret getting an acting degree in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it was the absolute perfect thing for me. Uh, I think the one thing that I, if, if there are any future actors that are, are in school right now. I think my only qualm with getting an acting degree is more an institutional qualm. And that's that uh, college inherently is a meritocracy. And so you kind of believe that, oh, if I'm good enough, I will get work. A plus B equals C. And I, that is not how life works. Uh, A plus B rarely equals C. And I think that was one of those things that you kind of had to learn post-college. I think we all have that moment where we're like, but hold on a second. I was told <laughs> that if I show up, get good grades, work hard, then I will succeed. And yeah, that is exactly. not how things go, kids. Sorry to burst it your is, It is not. And I think it is one of those things that that should be something that they should teach early on. Um, but yeah, I, I acted, um, I moved to Los Angeles in 2005 after I graduated college, uh, and I joined the hordes of people getting off the boats and buses uh, to act in LA. It's very uncommon, I know, uh, but I was a cocktail waitress for a really long time, and I, as any normal actor, had so many moments where I thought to myself, 
you know, do I want to do this? Is this my jam? Like, you know, this is so there's, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, and it's also acting can be a lottery system. Uh, and I always thought, you know, that I would do it until it didn't break my heart to not do it. And there were many years where the thought of not acting broke my heart so much that I was just like, nope, nope, I can't. There's, there's not a chance. Uh, and so it was maybe in my mid-20s or so that I got to a point where I, I cocktail waitressed in this really cool little bar in uh, Venice Beach. And I had one of those managers that was really into wine and like the kind of into wine that was very infectious. Uh, she'd taste us on wine. She'd talk about what she loved about the wines that she liked. And you'd see all these, you know, sales reps come in. And I mean, they look like they didn't hate their life. <laughs> they look like they were actually pretty happy, you know, and don't get me wrong. Your liquor sales rep that wasn't an enjoyable person. <laughs> yeah, oh, I have. Oh, I definitely have met some people. Like, I'll never forget uh, when I was talking to one of the reps, and I will leave the company name unmentioned, and I was like, you know, what do you, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about this job? Like, I'm thinking of getting into it, and he's like, I don't know, it's hard. You, you have to have a pretty thick skin, and I go, well, I've been auditioning for jobs yeah. where they're rejecting me. They're rejecting my talent, my face. I'm like, rejecting a product I sell? That's, that's nothing. Cool. You don't like it. Let's move on and taste something else. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, my God. You're right. Like, the whole, like, attempting to work actor to sales rep is probably the best path one could take. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was funny too, because I very much thought, I very much thought when I was, when I realized that I was done acting, that for me, I needed to keep an artistic aspect to my life, but I wanted to change my career. Um, I used to joke that I'm like, I could be a rocket scientist. You literally feel after being an actor in LA, when you don't want to do it anymore, you feel like you could be like, cool, rocket science interview. I got this. They're going to hire me. <laughs> yeah. How long did you actively go on auditions and do all of that stuff in LA? Uh, I'd say about four, four-ish years for like full active doing it. Uh, but I took a step in between before I became a sales rep. Um, I got a job at a place in LA called the Wine House. Uh, I ran their gourmet department for a very long time and, you know, no plug. They are one of the best stores in LA. Like I absolutely adore them and I adore uh, the family that runs it. And the cool thing about that, uh, I did it for a couple of reasons. One that I knew of, one that I didn't. One, uh, they're a major outlet in the Los Angeles area for the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. And so I knew since I didn't have a business degree and I didn't really have any sales experience, uh, my thought of going into the industry, the way I was going to tackle making it happen was that I wanted to do the educational side of things. Mm. And I knew that they offered, you know, the people who work there a discount on the classes, which was going to make my life easier. The other aspect that I didn't know about is uh, when I was there, they used to have the entire staff taste. So when a sales rep came in, everybody got to put their opinions on a sheet. So I was tasting stuff that I never would have had access to before. And so it was a really cool way to, you know, just get excited about it and remember that, oh my God, this is such a great product. This is so much fun. And like to geek out, you know, cause I think it's important to geek out over whatever you want to do in your life. I think that's a very fair statement. Like you should be a total nerd about the thing that you spend most of your time doing, right? Okay. Yeah, for that, sure. The people that have trouble figuring out what their next move should be, my first question is always, well, what are you insatiably curious about? Like, what do you mm -hmm. read about just for fun? What shows do you watch just for fun? What like uh, newsletters do you subscribe to? Like, what's the thing that at Trivia Night, if that category came up, you'd be like, I got this, guys. This is my category. And that's oh, a really good indicator into something that you should try and like, look into at least as a job. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And you know, even now, uh, I've been doing this for over 10 years and like yesterday we had a product launch on some really amazing wines that we just took on in our portfolio. And like all of us, you know, people who've been in the industry for forever are just sitting there going, oh my God, oh my God, this tastes so good. Oh, this is amazing. I'll spend two hours listening to you babbling about this. This is awesome. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's pretty solid. I mean, okay, so walk me back. So you're cocktail waitressing at night. You're starting to see like, oh, this wine thing is pretty cool. You ended up taking the job at this wine shop. Yep. At this point, are you phasing out of the audition process? Or are you like, I just need to take a break? What was the process? I really was. Like, I still did some projects and I still did a couple of fun things, but I... I didn't really do any of it for the purpose of getting into the industry anymore. Like there were still some auditions that I'm like, oh, this play looks like fun. Oh, this video, you know, this, this movie looks like a cool audition to do, but I really started phasing out as soon as I got very serious about um, the educational aspect in that job, just cause it took a lot of time. I remember I, I worked a gourmet department, so I used to have to prep a lot of cheese. So I would sit in my little tiny kitchen, slicing cheese, looking at these like study cards that I'd made and just like, you know, one slice, flip card, one slice, flip card. So you were like just fully diving into this whole world of wine. Yeah. And I knew pretty quickly that it was the right decision for me. Like it just, it very much felt like the thing I, I, it felt right. You know, there was just a part of me you know, you find your husband, you find your best friend, it just feels right. And this job to me just felt right. Hmm. Um, But I will say, uh, after I finished up the educational aspect and I got my first sales job, I kind of took an opposite tact because I also knew uh, in LA, so not to get too much into technicalities, uh, but in LA, there are what they call on-premise sales reps which are sales reps who go to your bars, who go to your restaurants. Then there are two different kinds of off, off-premise off sales reps. Uh, there's people who go into independent retail, and then there's people who go into grocery stores. Hmm. I went into grocery stores because the job sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful, uh, and it has a lot of turnover. However, it was a really awesome base. Like, if you ever want to be a waitress and you go get a job at, like, a big chain restaurant because you're going to get the training that's required. And then you're going to go, look at me. I've been a waitress for a year at, you know, TGI Fridays. Please hire me on at this cool little lounge. If you can survive the menu test at the Cheesecake Factory, you can do anything. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly my thought process behind getting this job first. Uh, So what I did for the first year, and I remember it was funny too, because a sales rep I knew was like, yeah, um," and I told him, I'm like, I'm going to do this for like a year, maybe two years. And he goes, one year, max. (laughs) That's it. One year. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you'll see. (laughs) What was it that just makes you burn out or just not excited? So a couple different things. Number one, your morning has to start before 6 a.m. Because in the grocery store world, if you are building displays, if you're putting a product on the shelf, it has to be done by 8 a.m., generally speaking. There are some exceptions to that, but like the big grocery stores, that's why you don't tend to see a lot of people uh, loading shelves after 8 a.m. But if you are that weird person that's like woken up at 5 a.m. and needs to go get, I don't know, like bread and coffee or something, and you go there and the, like the, the aisles are just filled with boxes and crates and pallets they have to do everything before that time so you have to get there uh and and take care of all of the business and the other side of it is that in grocery stores most of what you are selling is already mandated on a corporate level so my job was mostly 75 percent merchandising 25 percent sales so i didn't have a lot of autonomy to be like Hey, check out this amazing new product. Hey, check out this cool new wine or beer. It was more like, hey, I've been loading your shelves for three weeks. Can I please have a 50 case display in the center of the store that I'll build before 6 a.m.? Yeah, that doesn't sound super gratifying. <laughs> eh, yeah, you don't, you know, you wear a lot of pants you don't care about because they get pretty gross. <laughs> uh, that said, like it still had its moments and it was definitely one of those things that I have given this advice to people before and they've taken it. If you want to get into the wine industry, it is a really solid way to start it off. It is a solid way to get your foot in the door to go. I've sold wine for a year because even if it's only on the grocery store side, people still see it as regular wine sales, you know, and if you have a little education to back it up, then 
that's kind of one of the ways to get in where people go, ah, you're smart and you know how to do hard work because definitely selling generous side of it. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes, for sure. So it sounds like you kind of, you took a very strategic approach to this move, right? Into yeah. the industry. You're like, I need to learn. I need to figure out all of this stuff. Cause you obviously, I had the same experience wait, uh, waiting tables. One of my managers was completely obsessed with wine. And so we were taught everything we needed to, well, way more than we needed to know for the restaurant I was working in. But because of that, I was like, holy shit, this is a real whole industry with a lot of knowledge. And I don't think you ever really stop learning so it was cool, but so you got turned on to it and then you got the education, furthered it, and then put in the grunt work to build up that resume. Is it hard to get into? Is this something where there's kind of a barrier to entry? Um, there's not really, I would say there are many different ways to get into it. However, considering that most 18 year olds don't know that wine is amazing, and you know don't quite have a palate for that or i mean they wouldn't have necessarily sometimes sometimes they do sometimes they have parents who are like wine is awesome i want you to try a little bit of it you know kind of a european approach to it uh and they know that they like it but i mean come on i was drinking sex on the beaches until oh, yeah. i was you know 22 because i wasn't old, i was definitely only drinking at 21 i definitely wasn't drinking younger than that <laughs> uh, all the kids listening 21 legal age 21 legal age i remember uh, the first time i had i think probably the first time i actually had wine i had won at a restaurant in college that i worked at i had won this fancy steak dinner for a sales contest and uh, we're at this amazing steakhouse and you know i was gonna order like vodka tonic or whatever god probably like um Malibu and Sprite or something because that that sounds about right for 21 year old Bailey um and my boss who came with me was like oh hell no you need to get a nice red with this you need and I'm like oh wine's gross I don't I don't want to drink wine she's like I don't give a shit I'm paying you're drinking I'm like okay <laughs> and that was the first time that I understood that you could drink alcohol as a complement to food <laughs> not just to get drunk and I was like whoa I there's a whole world out there I, and you know that wasn't what switched me over I drank Merlot for a long time at, from like shitty bars so I'm I don't even want to know what I was drinking or how old the bottle was but yeah you're right younger kids like they go straight to the crappy beer and to the liquor and the sweet stuff and leave mm -hmm. wine to the mid-20s oh I'll never forget when I first moved to Los Angeles I, I was I don't know I guess I would have probably been about 22 at that point and I went over to a wine party and you got to understand, I hung out with my aunt who's about 12 years older than me. So there were a lot of people that were way older at this party and it was like, bring a bottle. And I remember I knew nothing about wine, but somebody had told me, yeah, you know, I've had that Livingston Merlot and I really like it. You should bring that over. And I'm all like, proud of myself, bringing like a magnum of Livingston to this fancy wine party. And I distinctly, and I will remember for the rest of my life, remember the look on the person's face when I was like, here you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, these people like were how old we are now, you know, can you yeah. imagine 22 year old yeah. in your house and you're like, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I hope this is just charming enough because I clearly have the social cognizance to realize I've made a faux pas. <laughs> That's amazing. So I assume you, you sell Livingston now? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> no. Oh, I oh, okay. No. Well, but you know what? I, I remember too when I got into the wine industry, my mother used to drink, um, well, no, still, I used to. There's no past tense here. Uh, my mother drinks um, boxed white Franzias in. And I remember when I got into the industry, she goes, So does this mean that I have to switch what I drink? And I go, No. The beauty of wine is that it's like art. Like you like whatever you like. Like if, if Franzia is your jam, awesome. If Livingston is your jam, awesome. The yeah. only thing I ever require of you is that you let me learn your palate so that when I come home, I can bring something that I think you'll like, but you'll just expand slightly out of what you know. I think that's fair. But yeah, to your point, like, hey, we've all got our likes and dislikes and there's nothing wrong or right. And shit, if you like cheap wine, good on you. I would much oh, yeah. rather cheap taste than expensive taste any day. 
Oh my God. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things too, that really annoys me about people in the wine industry. Uh, we always, there's a, there's a joke and I'm sure it's, it's, it's for a lot of industries, but a lot of people in the wine industries say, yeah, the wine industry is great, except for people in the wine industry. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could, uh, I could pass that on for many industries, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm certain you could. So it's one of those things that I, I, if there was anything I was ever going to say to somebody who's like, you know, 21 and thinking, I like this job. It's that, you know what? like whatever you like and don't feel like we're a bunch of snotty jerks like we're we're just normal people we all just get a little bit geekier and you'll get geekier as you go along you know yeah I've, I've leaned into my geekiness uh over the years for sure I have no qualms about what I'm super into professional development yeah. just does it for me guys I don't know what to say <laughs> everybody has their thing and that's, that's what I'm saying I love a good personality assessment you know tell me my strengths I don't know whatever <laughs> I hate personality assessments I hate them <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect point though right like people often I think assume that everybody likes and dislikes the same stuff as them and so yeah. their baseline is themselves and in reality and this goes for jobs especially and like types of roles the people that have jobs where they're like, I don't know why everybody doesn't want to do my job are in the right job for them, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, this is the best job ever. I don't know why everybody wouldn't want to do that. But to other people on the outside, they're like, that seems terrible. I would never want that role. So I say yeah. that way too much, but my favorite Southern saying is there's a seat for every ass. And I fully believe that in careers and relationships. You yep. do you. Do you. Okay. Yep. So when did you get out of the grocery store side of things? So I did it for literally a year. Um, and then I had at the time, part of my portfolio was a brand called Jaylor Winery. And uh, I'd heard through the grapevine that they were hiring uh, a Southern California manager for the Los Angeles area. And it was one of those things I'd kind of been going on some, I was about to say auditions. <laughs> I'd kind of been going on some interviews, you know, to sort of get out and do something <laughs> And it was one of those things where every interview, it was like, I, I, I'm also kind of, I'm, I'm secretly competitive. I don't think I'm like an alpha person, but I, I like to win and I don't necessarily remember it until all of a sudden I'm like, oh, now I have to answer. Did I just want to win in that situation or do I want this job? You know, and ladies, if you are the kind of person that likes to win, hold caution in this situation with men too, because I have definitely gotten to relationships where I just wanted to win and I didn't realize it until after. And you're like, oh, I was just saying what I needed to say to win the, the answer. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. that, happens, that happens very frequently with job interviews. People just get excited and they want to win the interview and they want to like do the best job yep. they can. And then suddenly they get the job and they're like, wait, oh shit, did I even want this? Oh yeah. I think asking yourself, did I just want to win is an important part of all job career moves, you know, because you can take a really crappy job and they'll hire you on and it feels really awesome when they're like, we're giving you the job and it feels great for like a week. And then you're like, damn it. Now I have this to is, do this job. Now I have to do this. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, they've been looking for a JLOR person and I thought they were looking for a chain person, which would have been fine. You know, it still would have been a level up. It would have been something a little bit broader. It would have definitely increased my skill set. So I went down and it was, well, I should preface this with the guy who was interviewing me. Oh, actually, wait, I'm going to preface the preface. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, in case you were worried that I Your don't show. talk too much. I've got <laughs> plenty of stories. Uh, so it, I remember when I found out about this, it was January and we had been selling one portfolio during the holiday time for a very, very long, you know, for, it was a hard push and I was overselling it and I really wanted to put in some J lore because it sells easily. It's a really great brand. Uh, and so I built these three huge displays and then randomly somebody had told me, Oh, Hey, they're looking for a J lore person. And I go, Oh, now this was the year that J lore had just won winery of the year with wine enthusiast. So I, <laughs> emailed the guy who became my future boss and was like, oh, hey, um, I heard you guys just won Wine Enthusiast. Well, I just built these displays and I was wondering if you have a really high quality JPEG so that I can attach it to the displays. Oh, by the way, I hear you're looking for a new candidate. Here's my resume. Oh, <laughs> <I'm> like, <here. laughs> 
that was one of my better moves. I'm more proud of that, you know, strategic move than most others. Uh, and anyway, long story short, he calls me back and he goes, hey, listen, we're auditioning, we're, I'm about to say auditioning again. Uh, we're interviewing a lot of people uh, and we'd love to have you come in, but we need you to understand, like there's a lot of people with a lot of experience. So the likelihood of you getting this job is really slim, but we'd still like to meet you if you'd like to meet us. And I go, well, yeah, let's do it. I mean, what have I got to lose? If, if I'm at this point sort of doing this more as a social call to kind of further and broaden the people that I know and the people that could maybe in the future provide a job, why not? So I drove myself all the way down to Orange County and thankfully it was one of those interviews where it was like all three levels of management were together versus one and one and one. And so we just sat there and like, talked football and you know I talked about obviously what I'd done up to, to that point I talked about wine but we mostly just you know BS'd about the Big Ten and I think the Huskers that was the year they were moving to the Big Ten and there was an Ohio State person there and so we just talked and I remember I was like ah, that was fun cool I don't think anything's gonna come of it and uh, Monday morning I get a call from my then boss and he goes hey we want to offer you the broad market job and I go you mean the chain job? No, I mean the broad market job. I go, I didn't even know you needed somebody on broad market, but yes, I'll take it. Okay, thank you. Wait, what's broad market versus chain? Uh, remember when I was saying before, broad market is everything independent okay. uh, and everything restaurant and everything restaurant and bar, which is exactly what I wanted to be back into. Like I wanted so badly to be back in that world versus, you know, the grocery store world. I would have done the grocery store world happily, but so it was kind of one of those like extra bonuses where I'm just like, this is great. I got the job I didn't think was possible to get and it's better than I thought it was. Exactly. Um, and they were such a fabulous company to work for. I loved working for them, but I kind of skipped the strategic step in, if you were in the wine world, uh, going to grocery store, the next logical step would be to be selling wine in the broad market as what I'm doing right now. Uh, so it would have been to do that and then maybe go be a supplier after that. Because I remember when I got the supplier job, the VP of sales at my distributor, who I was going to be working with, was like, ah, you got a retirement job. I go, a retirement job? He goes, yeah, that's the kind of job you go into and then you retire. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Great. Um, and so I ended up working as the Los Angeles area sales manager on broad market side for JLor Winery for about six years. Wow. Yeah, that's a yeah. good stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things. Um, I don't know if you do this, but I definitely do this. When I decide I want to take a job, I give myself a time frame for when I want to reassess how I feel about that job. And to me, when I looked at what this job had, when I looked at the potential, when I looked at what it was teaching, you know, gonna teach me and the kind of timeline I needed to build it up, I said when I got hired, you know, to myself, I'm giving this job five years and then I will reassess how I feel about it. Uh, and for me, that's always really worked out pretty solidly. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of go, cause then you're not constantly chomping at the bit in a mental way. I don't know if that, does that make sense? No, actually I think that's, that's a really good time frame. I've never had a job for more than three years. <laughs> so clearly <laughs> I have different parameters for myself, but I think that's a really smart thing to do though, because it, it really does kind of free you up to not feel like you have to dive head first yeah. and leave all these crazy things right off the bat. Cause there's always a learning curve with any job you take. I mean, I feel like with most jobs, you really need at least a year to know what the hell you're doing and to feel yeah. like, Oh, completely. Uh, you're not still getting the lay of the land. And so at that point, you know, if you go with the five year marker, you can do so much in your career in five years. Like yeah. people get freaked out about having invested too much time in one area and they're not, they're afraid to switch industries or switch roles because they put too much time into it. It's like, oh no, you have 40 plus years of working. Like <clears throat> even if you only split that into four quarters and did 10 year chunks, you could have 10 very different careers throughout your whole overall career. So five years is a great chunk because that's one eighth of that, right? So yeah. it's like, you can pretty much, not that you can become an expert, but uh, kind of, you can pretty yeah. much like solidly hit that industry and, and be considered like somebody, you know, really influential in the space in five years. Yeah. Agreed. 
Yeah. And I think um, just another aspect of this is something that it really taught me. Um, and it's something that I try and tell literally anybody who's applying for a job. Um, because I think, and this is partially sometimes a woman thing, but not necessarily because I've given my husband the same speech. Um, I think we are told that we can only apply for jobs, that we know that we already have the skill set for. That is a woman thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it is definitely distinctly a woman thing. And I will say the current job I have notwithstanding, every job prior to that, when I got hired to run a gourmet department, I bought a cheese book the day after it happened because I knew nothing about cheese. You're like, I can you totally know? do this. Oh God, I need to learn about cheese. <laughs> yeah, like I, I knew nothing about, you know, working in grocery stores and selling wine in there. I knew absolutely nothing about broad market because I'd skipped that step. And so I was going into being a supplier, you know, I was going up the tier and going into a market that I had no comprehension of how it worked. And I mean, I knew that I could figure it out. So it's like, it's one of those things that if anything has taught, if this has taught me anything, and maybe this is coming from acting once again, that rocket science thing where I'm like, I could be a rocket scientist, is that if a job sounds interesting, go for it. Like, let them tell you no. Like, I think that's probably the strongest bit of information I could ever give to anybody is that I knew jackal about those three jobs and I still got hired. So what do you think allowed you, not even the confidence, because I think you're totally right that the acting thing just built up your shell, your thick yeah. skin, so that you could do anything and you, were, you knew you were going to be okay. I think dealing with a series of rejections early on is some of the best life experience one can get because you yeah. learn that you're going to come out on the other end and not be dead, right? Of course. Like, yes. Like, very oh, much. Sure, this is going to hurt today, but tomorrow I'm still here. I'll do something different. You're not so worried about that failure because failure is just, you know, a speed bump. Um, yeah. So for you with these jobs, first off, I think you're totally right. Like there's some crazy stat where it's like most women feel the need to be like 95% qualified for a job before they'll even apply. And most men, it's 60% qualified. Mm -hmm. So like, if they're like, eh, I have one of those 20 bullet points, sure, I'll do it. And you know, you're right to your point, like you can't yeah. get a job that you don't apply to. So yeah. you never know. So with you, I mean, three of those types of roles, I think that's really fantastic. And that also makes sense why the type, the five year time frame works for you, because you're essentially starting not from zero, but kind of more on that novice end. So you need more runway to get up and running and learn. So for you, what do you attribute getting those jobs to? Do you think it was like your confidence or your gumption or that you were able to show opportunity for growth, you know, over, well, I already know this stuff, so hire me. I think it was a combination of some of the strategic things that I, I chose to know ahead of time. Um, and once again, like, you know, obviously we, if you have a college degree, I'm sure everybody who has a college degree knows that it pretty much stands for a lot of stuff. People stop looking at what you actually got a college degree in after a while. Um, but like, there's a lot of different educational things that you can do that have nothing to do with getting a master's. So there's that aspect of it. Um, but also, and maybe this is just me, a lot of jobs have a similar set of skills. There, when you're looking at those bullet points, obviously there are gonna be things on there that you're like, I've never done that. I have no idea how to do that. I have no, how to, no idea how to run computer program XYZ, blah, 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 that's gonna be my entire whatever. Wait, and you know what? I have to say something on that note. So I had applied for a job once, I don't even remember what the title was, but the recruiter I was working with accidentally gave me the wrong uh, qualifications sheet. And so the night before my interview, I'm like, it said needs to be proficient in Ruby on Rails, which for those of you unaware, that's like a computer programming language. And I had never heard of Ruby on Rails. And so I'm looking through the bullet points and I'm like, oh God, I, I don't know why he's putting me up for this role. And so I Google like Ruby on Rails, trying to like at least, you know, familiarize myself with the language. And I'm looking and I'm like, I can't go on this job and I don't know what Ruby on Rails is. And the next day he's like, oh, JK, sent you the wrong one. Here you go. And yeah, so it was funny. I was like, mm, I don't think I could have pulled that one off, but <laughs> yeah. I was trying to Google Ruby on Rails the night before a job interview. <laughs> God, I know. Well, and to that point, I do think it is really, really important to um, do research. 
Like, you know, know what kind of company you're getting yourself into. Um, know some things about it, like, and especially in sales, know what they sell if you can, yeah. <laughs> you know, like know, know a little bit about it. And, and I think more than anything, and maybe this is just specific to sales jobs. I'm a people person. Like I know that I'm going to go into an interview and I'm going to relate to you as a human. I'm going to relate to you as a human and I'm going to talk like we've known each other for a while because I think the most important part of interviews is not the what are your three weaknesses question. It's the we randomly started talking about how much we both still love the Spice Girls and oh my god I still follow the Spice Girls and blah 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 and like that's the moment that's going to connect you with another human being. All interviewing is, is connecting with another human being. And unfortunately, since I'm in sales, that's literally my job is going in and finding a connection quicker than anybody else. I mean, that's the best skill I think anybody can bring to an interview. And I talk about it a lot on this show. It's like, you need to find a way to just build the tiniest little connection with that stranger as of today, because people remember how you make them feel. People mm -hmm. remember like, yeah, I don't exactly remember what she's done before, but like, I really liked her, you yeah. know, people totally yeah. hire. I mean, yes, there are some jobs where you have to be hundred percent qualified for the role. Of course. of course, but for most jobs, to your point, like a lot of the skills transfer. And even if you've never been in this particular industry, you've probably got skills that you can bring with you to it that are totally relevant. So, I mean, and when you're up against, however, God knows many people you're interviewing against, like you need to make that good impression where you stand out. So that's yeah. awesome. I mean, I feel like your acting experience has totally tied into and influenced your whole professional career, you know, mm -hmm. and like the sales thing, it's so smart. Like, I think if we all took the approach in a job interview of like, you're trying to make that connection, you're trying to basically just sell yourself, it yeah. would be things so much smoother and probably more successful for you. You are. I mean, selling yourself, it's funny because I say, oh, I can sell any product, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was being, my, I was having myself be rejected in all of these auditions. Like you kind of get rid of that fear when you go through 20,000 auditions because rejection is the norm, you know? So it's one of those things that now going into interviews, yeah, I, sure, I have really awesome, you know, educational credentials behind me. I've been in the industry for a while, but more than anything, like I'm selling a person who makes them feel, you know, confident. I'm selling a person who makes them feel like I have, you know, the qualifications. Like there's a lot of that, you know, like it's selling, it's selling a me. What is, what is, what, what is it? What is the me product? You know? So how do you, so I guess kind of on that note, like, what are some sales strategies that you use if you're even aware of them? Because I know sometimes if you're a good salesperson, you're just doing it naturally. You're not intentionally, you know, doing anything. It just comes across as very charismatic and all of that. But what are some sales tips that you can give to people that are like, oh, I'm really bad at sales. I'm not good at selling things. Like I've always been the person that has said I'm terrible at sales. And it's just because I keep talking and I talk myself out of the sale at that point. I don't shut up at the right time, if you can only imagine that. Um, so yeah. <laughs> what are some good sales tips for like even just connecting with somebody quickly? How do you go from no knowing nothing about this person sitting in front of you to finding that Spice Girls connection? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I love this question too, because, um, this draws back to, you were saying, I love a good personality exam. I hate them because I got to be honest on a personality exam. I'm an awful salesperson. If I take a personality exam and I completely, absolutely 100%, you know, answer everything the way I truly feel, I do not look like a good sales rep. Like I look pretty bad. I'll never forget. So, um, an interview I was going on about a year ago. Uh, they made me take this huge personality exam and I was really ornery about it because I was on vacation and you know you're supposed to take these things in like a quiet room like all by yourself and I was in New Mexico and decided to take it in a really loud bar while drinking bourbon sure. and just being like <laughs> here, here, here's your answer. This is how I feel. I'm answering honestly. Take that. <laughs> Side note. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a good headspace. 
Yeah, side note, don't don't do that at all. But that's neither here nor there. My husband claims that I was self-sabotaging for completely different reasons. Um, but uh, I remember, you know, it came back and he's and the the thing said they're like, okay, competency, you're perfectly competent. You're totally smart enough for this job. However, a couple of things. Um, you don't care enough about money for this job, and you care too much about your interpersonal relationships for this job. And I'm just like but that's sales. Okay, thank you. Um, but I am not, and I've realized this about myself, and so it was a good learning experience. I'm not a shark. Like, I'm not one of those sales reps who goes in, smells blood in the water, and just goes after it, because that's not my jam. Like, I am a people person. Like, I like being the kind of sales rep that I've built up the rapport that, you know, I know what you're looking for, but you're willing to sometimes do me favors because I do you favors. You know, I'd rather build up a more, it's a, it's a more complex version of selling. I, I, I call myself a dolphin. I'm not a shark, but I will use my other dolphin brethren to push the fish into the shallow end where we can feed upon them for a while. Collaborate over competition. I love it. Yeah, you know, that's me. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't go the other way because just not how I'm wired. Yeah. So as far as, like, sales strategies for anybody who wants to get into the, you know, the sales industry, you know, I have a friend who's been in sales for forever, and she goes, eh, you can sell sprocket A, you can sell sprocket B. Sales are sales, and it's totally true, but it does help. I will recommend getting into a sales where you're selling a product that you love and can get really behind. Uh, it makes your life a lot easier. I have sold products that I do not believe in and you figure out a way to do it. However, it is a lot easier if you can believe somewhat in what's, you know, what's behind what you're selling people. Um, but as far as like day-to-day -day stuff, I'm really self-deprecating. Like I will, I will, usually I find with other humans, like that's an easy way to make a quick connection when you're getting to know them is to talk about, you know, not in like a awkward way, but like, oh yeah, God, I'm, I'm useless with a TV remote. That's a horrible example, but you get what I'm saying, you know, like find ways because that for me always, that's one thing that I use because it makes them, you know, I don't feel superior and they feel like we can connect on, you know, we're humans being humans. I always think that that's the most yeah, important. People like flawed people. Yeah. You feel yeah. like, oh, okay, you're not thinking you're better than me. You're not comparing yourself to me. It, we're all just insecure little nuggets at the end of the day. Of course. Oh, at the end of the day, I am, oh, please. I am, salespeople often, you know, you get that vibe that they're very confident. You're really, you know, you think you're really awesome, but oh, please. I got anxiety like everybody else. <laughs> we drank wine for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, I drink wine for a reason. <laughs> so, so right now, you've been in the industry for what, 10-ish years? 10-ish years, yeah. Okay, so do you think that you will continue down this path? Or have you? are you still in the midst of one of your five-year cycles where you're like, I'll, I'll assess later? Um, I definitely, you know, I started this job last year. I'm definitely, I wouldn't say in a five-year cycle, but I would say I'm at least in a three-year cycle. I really like this job. I lucked out, you know, moving to Denver was more of a personal reason than it was a professional reason. So I, I've told my boss this, like, I would have taken a job selling like Red Bull. I would have done it because I needed a job. However, I lucked out so much with the company that I'm in and the book is amazing and the people are awesome and I love my territory and I really see its potential. So I would not necessarily maybe say five year, but I would definitely say I'm in a three or four year cycle um, before I reassess what I want to do. But I don't really know exactly where I want to go. I'm, I'm in wine. Wine is who I am. I'm in sales. Sales, that's what I am. I think the only change that would ever sway me to a different side is still a version of wine. And that would be like opening up a, you know, wine shop, maybe a little coffee thing with my husband. And that would be years down the road. Um, that would be the only thing I think that would take me out of it. Going forward, I have had a fascination. I know my last job had manager in the title, but I really wasn't a manager. Um, and so I've had a fascination with more direct management just because I think that I have a skill set that can help people realize their best potential 
but also achieve ends for a company, you know, work on both ends. So that's something I'm very fascinated with is going into something managerial and trying my hand at that. Um, that. That so speaks to my heart because like finding that middle piece on the Venn diagram between your needs as an employee and the company's needs from what they need from you. If you can find a way to create that culture as a manager of transparency and trust, where you can say to your employee, like, what's long-term, like, what's the end game for you? Okay, cool. This is what we need to get out of our experience together, but let's shape that and shift it in a way that's also going to help you along your own career path. And so we all win. That's the best scenario ever. Oh yeah. And I, and I don't, I haven't ever done that before. So I feel like that's something that while keeping in the wine industry could really, I like to learn new things. And so for me, that entire aspect of personality and working with personalities would be really interesting to me. And I would be open to exploring an opportunity that came along in that. Um, I also would consider going back into being a supplier for a distributor, right? or sorry, a supplier for um, a winery, or a supplier for an importer or something like that, just because I do really like um, that job. I really like, you know, the, um, the specificness of it, but it's just different. Uh, that would be something, though, moving to Colorado, that I would have to make a decision of probably being more of a multi-state manager. Uh, so I would have to commit to more travel than I did before, uh, which, you know, has a lot of ups and downs, uh, travel jobs. <laughs> They're really great when you're like 23, 24 and you're like, I don't care. I'll go everywhere. I don't need to sleep. Uh. And the other side of that also really great. If you're like, say, you know, 50 ish, you know, and you're, you know, you're, you, your kids or whatever are grown up and in college and you're not trying to start a family or anything like that. So uh, there's the other side of that too. Yeah. I think the zone of 20 something and then maybe mid forties and above is great for those kind of roles. Well, it sounds like too, in this industry, there are a lot of different um, kind of setups for, for work-life balance. Like it sounds like very the much. grocery store job was very much like early riser, totally different than your roles, you know, working in like with restaurants, which I imagine is a different time of day. And even now, are your hours like normal kinds of hours? No. No, I would say in the thing about, um, and I'm sure this is probably true for more than just wine sales, but specifically for, um, for my job, I get up on a typical day, I get up, um, I go to my iPad, I check all my orders. In the meantime, I look at my emails and I answer those and I set up my day. If there's a problem, I have to wait until 8 a.m. and then I have to call and get it fixed. Then I might, you know, casually, you know, hang out for a minute, get ready for work, you know, maybe read a book for like 15, 20, but then I'm out in the field, you know, maybe going to the warehouse beforehand, you know, restaurants, I sell only to restaurants right now. So, you know, restaurants open at 11. So I start on the cycle of seeing people at 11. Um, some days I maybe have like a doctor appointment in the middle and it's fine. Uh, some days I, you know, finish up my day at six and I come home and I get right back on the computer to prep presentations for the next day. But some days I, you know, you're done by five and that's it. Um, the problem with sales jobs more than anything else is that if you are an overachiever, if you are one of those inherently hardworking people, you can really burn out. And you have to be very, very, very cautious uh, with your limitations. I've found that I like the kind of job that's more invasive, if you will. That's not a very pleasant word to use, but I don't mind a job where my life is the job, you know, like after this, I'm going to be doing a staff training for an hour, you know, on a Saturday, but your job, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like this work-life balance thing has to happen. It's all intertwined. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, you can love a job as much as you like. And there are still times, you know, last, last week when I came home and I had three presentations to prep and I'm sitting there working and it's like nine 30 going, Oh my God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. My brain is kaput. The, a job is still, a, no matter how much you love a job, a job is still a job, but that doesn't mean that you should leave it. You just have to find balance within it. A hundred and thousand percent. Yep. You are totally right. I mean, even the jobs you're completely obsessed with and passionate about, and the fact that you're still so into this job 10 years down the road 
is a really good sign. I'm a little jealous that you have found something that you could do for that long. I have yet to land on one thing in particular that like I could see myself doing for the rest of my career. But yeah, well, I, I think, think that's the norm, you know, the norm, the norm, long gone are the days where people, you know, find one job and then stick it out for 35 years. Like nobody, nobody does that anymore. And yeah. even within, you know, my industry, like taking different levels of that job is just kind of how, you know, how I keep things fresh for myself. I just know that I like this category and I am this kind of person. So I do this fairly well. Yeah, that's a good point. You've, you've gotten to do different types of jobs within the same industry. And I think if you can find something like wine for you that you are curious about and you can still learn about and then take all these different types of roles under one umbrella, I think that's the secret to lasting happiness with yeah. a career. I think keeping things fresh is always important. You know, there are times like with selling wine in grocery stores uh, that you're going to have to take a job that you know is going to suck. But take those jobs that suck strategically. Yeah. You know, take them take them, and know your limitations and go, okay, it's going to suck. Anybody can take a job that sucks for a year. I'm telling you right now, you can do it. You'll start planning at six months. I will also tell you that. However, you can do it for a year. Anybody can do it for a year. Um, but just make sure that it's giving you the things that you need in return. Yeah, it needs to be a building block. If you're going to suffer through a year of not loving what you're doing, you better make sure that it has a purpose. Otherwise, you're going to be resentful and bitter and hate everything. And everybody's going to be not wanting to hang out with you because you're grumpy all the time. Yeah, I think the strategy behind that is so freaking important. And it sounds like you've made really good strategic moves. And also, you have a pretty fairly fun job, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still... I'm tasting wine at 10 a.m. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, love that. Well, Erin, this was so great. Thank you so much for telling us all about how you got into wine and all the ways that you can use sales to connect with people. I think there's a lot of really good nuggets in here for people across every industry and every type of job. So thank you. And uh, yeah, you know, in five years, let's check back in and see what the hell you're doing then. Right? I mean, who knows at that who point? Who knows? That's assuming the Bailey Hancock show will exist in five years. I mean, that would be if it is, then we will be able to say today, she found her something. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'll shoot for at least three years for you. Okay, thank you. you know, I, that's, your, that's your record. We'll go for that's three. That's my marker. We'll, yeah, that's my baseline. But we'll keep five in that happy distance. Yes, I like it. Well, thank you so much. And everybody, we'll see you next time. Bye.